You're listening to the Superpower Up Podcast with your superpower experts. This is the place where we explore real-life superpowers and give you the tools to unlock your own. Hello, everyone. This is Tonya Don Reckla, your superpower expert, and I am delighted to have with me today just a real gem of a guy. This guy is such a blast. We instantly fell in love with him at uh, last year's Meltdown in the Desert in 2017. He's just brilliant. He and Neva really connected um, in the disruption space. So Katama Kwana is a disruption like, expert. This guy eats, breathes, and sleeps disruption. He's, he's making waves all around the world. So not only is he an entrepreneur and he's scaled and sold multiple businesses, but he's won tons of awards in the disruption space. Um, young global, you know, like, I mean, I, I can't even, anyway, you, you just, you should look at his resume. I, I could sit and brag about him probably for the next hour. But the, the biggest part that I want you to understand about this is that it's not, it's not just words and it's not just advice. He lives this, right? And he's, he is that walking, talking inspiration of, you know, making sure that you, whatever rules you're taking on for yourself are the rules that you want to abide by. They're, they're your guidance, your own internal compass versus anything from outside of yourself telling you what you have to do. So you understand exactly how uh, he and Neva connected in that space. Uh, so anyway, without further ado, I want to bring Katan on. Today we're going to be talking about disruption for entrepreneurs and just how crucial it is that you're willing to do you and to do it in your way and to make sure that you're modeling that for other people. So please join me in welcoming Katana to the show. Welcome. Thank you, Tonya. I really, really appreciate you having me on and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Oh, perfect. Me too. So, so let's jump right in and say, or ask you, what are your superpowers? <laughs> what are my superpowers? Uh, well, apart from an infectious smile that I have, I, I, I I guess it is this whole thing of challenging convention. My superpower is I never look at anything in a conventional way. And as, as for that, some people can probably see me as an annoyance, but others actually see it as an inspiration. So I suppose the biggest superpower I have is never, never taking anything for granted and always uh, challenging convention. <laughs> I love it. Some people might see it as an annoyance. <laughs> Well, and, and isn't that what it comes down to is like, are you willing to be annoying? Like, are you willing to, to challenge the status quo? Are you willing to step up and say, you know, I think that we can do this differently or, or maybe we're being called to do this differently. Um, you know, and, and what, where that really strikes us in the heart of us. So how did you get to the place where you're willing to stand up and say, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to talk about this even when it's not popular. Yeah, I mean, it, this all stems down to um, the original quote from Charles Darwin that talks, it's not about the strongest of our species that survive, it's those that are most adaptable to change. And um, it's one of these things that you can't just wake up tomorrow and say, I'm going to be disruptive, or I'm going to be a disruptor, or I'm going to challenge convention. It's something that builds within you over a period of time. And I think you get to a point where you pivot. Um, and, you know, you have that, you have that opportunity, it's right there in front of you to to grasp and say no you know it's time for change and that change needs to start with me um some people uh, reside themselves away and resign and say look no i you know it's not something i should do i need to follow the natural order of path others leap up and you know grab hold of that branch and i guess that's that's what's happened to me um you know for, for a very long time in my in my life, you know, I've followed the rules. I've done everything that everyone's asked of me, you know, right the way from school, 
um, you know, when you're told by your, your mathematics tutor that uh, you're no good at maths and you're not going to achieve anything in life, yet I get the answers quicker and faster than other students. It's just because I wasn't following his system or their system uh, that they didn't like it. Uh, right the way through to kind of following the, the, the education system, the way it was built and, and realizing when I got to university, it wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, it's not where I felt I belonged. It's not where I felt that I could make great, create my greatest contributions and impact. Um, and having the, <laughs> the balls at that point, again, unconsciously, having the bravado of actually stepping up on the second lecture and walking out just because the lecturer and the professors never designed a car and I wanted to become a car designer. I think these were the footsteps to me really starting to challenge, not just the status quo generally, but more the status quo within myself. Um, I went through my whole career, um, always trying to outdo what I'd um, achieved in my previous sort of roles and, 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 and sort of targets. I've always wanted to become better, be better, do better. Um, again, still having to follow uh, the laws of convention, which were what employers normally set you up. Being in a company that, uh, that uh, very strict, a German company, meaning that you can't even take your tie off in a meeting otherwise, the meeting can't continue right the way through to um, actually taking um, a digital signage company from um, being in the business of signage into becoming uh, going into the business of, um, of patient uh, patient flow and information integrity. Uh, everything about me has always been about thinking differently, doing differently um, and evoking different results. Um, and so I guess it all started from, um, from a very young age, but it was very unconscious to me until uh, about the time when I lost my job in 2008. Um, and I realized that actually the world hasn't, you know, the world doesn't owe me anything. Um, it, you know, it's not responsible for anything that, um, uh, that I do. And it's not responsible for putting, you know, food on my table. It, that's all down to me. And it's at that point where I really, really grasped the concept of saying, I have the potential to, to challenge convention, do different things, do new things. And that's what's driven me on since, um, since then to where we are today. Well, and I think so many of us can relate to that, you know, especially in the superpower arena and, and, you know, those of us who feel called to have an impact on the world. And, and you said so much within that statement about the power of really checking in with yourself and making sure that you're clear on why you're doing it. And, and you're right. I think some of it is for a lot of us, just kind of this compelling energy at first. Um, yes. You know, I, I wrote about that in, in this, the book that I've got currently going on. And it's a, it, it's, it is that concept of this compulsion, like, like you have to almost like, like you just kind of put one foot in front of the other until you start to see the patterns emerge and like, well, why am I this way? And, and especially as it relates to perhaps other people and you start to look at the differences. And um, Justin and I had a really cool conversation the other day about it. Yeah. You know, what is it that we, you know, do differently than other people or whatever. And, and, and I'm, you know, we were talking about, you know, our very lives, you know, mm. are, are extremely different. Like we have the audacity to think that we can do things the way we want to do them, you know, and, and that in and of itself is like, earth shattering and it's funny because we've been sitting in the conscious awareness of that for a while and and i love following those threads back and saying well why us mm. you know why do we question convention why do we challenge everything why, why do we feel this compelling 
you know, kind of urge to say, okay, but what if, you know, and I was always that kid too, like, but why, you know, and, but what if, and can't we do it this way? And why can't, why do I have to do it that way? And, um, you know, kind of a pain in the neck, but it's, um, you know, I I think that, I think that when you can see those natural tendencies within yourself, it starts to help other people figure out how can they do it, you know, so it's like a reverse engineering process. Absolutely. I mean, one of the biggest things that um, my learning point in my journey has been that it does start with you. It has to start with you. It can't be about anyone else. Um, and it, that sometimes being labeled a disruptor or being disruptive, people take the negative connotation that you are here to create chaos to a certain extent. But from chaos comes confusion and from confusion comes clarity to a certain extent. And um, and for me, it's this one of, the, one of the most important things is stop trying to be someone else or something else just because they're inspiring you. Understand what it is that inspires you of them and understand what, where, where you are as a person. So the number one thing for me is I've got to be comfortable with myself. Uh, and if I'm not comfortable with myself, I can't be disruptive. It's the whole kind of analogy of make sure you fit your ear mask before you help others. You've got to be able to be in that. You've got to be in that zone. Otherwise, it doesn't work. It just won't work because all you're doing is you're replicating or uh, um, someone else, and you don't understand their energy. You don't understand where their background, what their what their motivations are, um, where their emotional intelligence is with all of this kind of stuff. It's 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 more about you're trying to just be someone that you're not, and the more you do that, you create the imposter syndrome and you also produce a a carbon copy of something that you are not and eventually you become you know you'll be exposed for that and that's the biggest I think this is the biggest threat and fear that people have about being disruptive do they have it within themselves to be disruptive I think they don't really understand why they should be disruptive and the other thing is what is it about disruption that um, that's going to help them see uh, things through because a lot today we do live in a world of instant gratification and and instant results um, and if people can't see that things are changing for them quickly then they lose sight of that I mean this is a lifelong journey it's not something that you can build overnight wow that's powerful stuff so we're going to take a quick break we've been talking with Katama Kwana about disruption for entrepreneurs when we come back I want to dive really deeply into this concept of you know you know be comparing that yourself to others and how you can kind of see those reflections without needing to make, you know, convention wrong, but, but choosing something different and, and really up-leveling, um, you know, how some people can look at that. Because I, I do think that, like you said, people stop themselves because of, of what the ramifications might be. So we're going to dive into some of that as soon as we get back. So stay with us. Are you here to change the world? Do you talk about things like vibration, frequency, awakening, and consciousness? Are you pretty sure you have superpowers? The Superpower Net is unlike normal coaching programs and conscious communities. We provide training, intuitive guidance, peer-to-peer learning, intensive one-on-one coaching, and a high vibrational network of people just like you. When you join the Net, you get 24-7 access to a collaborative group of people who support you as you master your personal power and unlock your superpowers. If you're ready to use your superpowers to change the world, then join the Superpower Net today. Visit superpowerexperts.com slash the net to learn more. Awesome. We're back. You've been listening to the Superpower Podcast and we're talking with Katama Kwana about disruption for entrepreneurs. Um, I, I want to really delve into kind of these concepts of 
why, you know, first at the very heart of it, like what is the, the, the fear around why we don't choose to challenge convention? And, and my bias on that is that it, you know, it all goes back to fear of death, you know, at, at, at a, the most basic of levels, like it's, it's fear of being rejected from the tribe, which means fear of not having resources, which means fear of dying. Like it really is the basis element of, of, of every fear that we have, but we're not always conscious of that. And so, so the idea that, well, I'm not going to, um, you know, stand up for what's right because I'm afraid of dying. Like we don't often make that connection. So what are some of the more kind of surface level or obvious fears that people face um, in, in why they won't step up or even question, you know, why am I following these rules? So, I mean, it's an interesting question and, you know, it can go in so many different directions. Uh, but um, there are two or three aspects that I think uh, attribute or you can contribute uh, contribute towards this type of uh, this, uh, this, this type of sensation and the fact that people uh, wouldn't challenge convention. The first thing is it's the way in which we've um, grown up. You know, we, all of us, you know, through, through our generations have always been applied to sort of follow convention, you know, be, be, be safe within the channels of where you are that, you know, and it's almost building this, this whole um, <clears throat> antibody against the or resistance to change, and I think change is the fear, biggest fear that anyone feels. You, you mentioned you you know you classified it as the fear of death. Some could see that as a fear of failure uh, in this kind of uh, uh, in this kind of aspect. So that you know you're programmed almost since a little kid to to do your chores, to read your books, to do things in time, to eat your greens, to to do all these kind of be be nice, be uh, be. Uh, polite, uh, be progressive, be helpful, all these particular things <clears throat> when you're in education right the way through to uh, your early modelings of your, any career. It's always follow the rules, follow the convention, follow, follow, follow. And, um, and what happens is that starts to ingrain itself into your head. I mean, that's, uh, you know, if, you, if you've been programmed in that particular way all your life, even though you do question the integrity of something or you, you do feel like you can uh, challenge the convention of something, you do it from within, not in a not in an external facing environment. So it's one of the first things is is the way that we're programmed. The second uh, the second element of this is it's the cause and effect. You see, when when you think to yourself about challenging convention, you start thinking not about how it's going to change for you. You're starting to think about how it's going to change for everyone else, and it's the fear factor that you build in the perception uh, that you build. So we know that. Fear, you know, as an acronym is false evidence appearing real in that respect. So you start building this world that doesn't exist. That, oh, if I do challenge this, then everyone around me is going to be upset. Or this is going to create this and it's going to create this problem. But really, why do you want to manifest that change? Why are you thinking differently? Why is it that you don't feel the heart and the mind and the soul the same way that everyone else does? There's something intrinsically either wrong or not, uh, or not entirely right for you. So, you know, we've got to learn at that point to be more about more selfish. Uh, we've got to be more selfish. You've got to start thinking to yourself, what is this change in convention going to do for me more than anyone else first? Because again, as, as we said before the, the break, then, you know, if you don't fit your own earmask, how can you go off and help others in this respect? And the third aspect of where I think people uh, come across on, uh, on challenging convention is that sometimes your visions are so abstract, they're so far beyond the realms of the standard convention that you almost feel it's going to be near on impossible 
to be able to impart that vision or articulate it in a way that's going to make sense to other people. So, you know, it's, 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 it's really a balance between the way we're programmed to stick to rules and, and follow processes and also looking at how it's not an inside perspective going out, but almost we start to look at what the external environment is going to look like and then how is it going to impact me. And that's the wrong way to look at it. Well, and, and it is that fear concept that keeps so many of us entrenched in addition to the idea that, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know how consciously aware we can be of, of some of the programs and stuff unless we do that, that really, you know, consistent work of peeling back those layers. I mean, it, it's kind of the mm. whole Atlas shrug concept that we are really trained to not be selfish. Um, you know, we see that across the board in so many different ways, you know, in terms of women and communication and, and teaching girls to be polite and not to, not to kind of make ripples. And, um, we've yeah. got all kinds of, um, constructs around that to teach men to tell them, like you said, you know, working in offices where to take off the tie was like, you know, craziness and, um, you know, and so, and so there's all these, these different aspects of it but we're so deeply entrenched in it. It's, it's invisible. Like those, those threads yes. and those ties are damn near impossible to see until we start questioning and peeling back those layers. So I love the fact that you and I both have these examples of in childhood being like, wait a second, like, does that make any sense to anyone? Like, like what, why are we doing this? And I don't know about you, but I, I remember very clearly having a solid awareness that, that I, there were many times when I felt like there was a, a good chance I was smarter than most of the adults I was supposed to be listening to. And I was like, mm. well, how is this and how can this be? Um, and, and, and as a child, it particularly, you know, you and I have talked about this before, what, what Neva mm. stands to present is, is the idea that we really disregard that sort of intelligence and intuition yes. and guidance because how could, how could a child possibly be in choice or, or be in that level of awareness? And, and we, and we cripple that, you know, Justin and I were just having a, a conversation this morning about how as a child, it doesn't matter how smart you are, how intellectual, how well, how mature, how capable the world is designed to make sure that you don't have certain freedoms. Like, you know, just with Neva's business, she can't sign a contract. Um, she can't even get an Uber to go somewhere. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, and then of course those rules exist for a reason, but now you've got a situation where you've got this, you know, 5,000 year old, like wise person in, the, in this, this body. And it's like, how do you teach them to navigate the world in a really empowered way? Because truthfully, it's not designed that way. Um, you know, and so, so, so that all of those things come up and then, um, and, and then you throw on top of that, your experience in a real global aspect and you've got like cross-cultural things, you've got different nuances within different cultures, you've got different yeah. things that are acceptable. So I'd imagine you have a very unique vantage point because through comparison, you can see, like it's, it's easy to think that our worldview is it and it's right mm -hmm. until you start seeing it through the eyes of other people. That's what, you know, what has your experience been with, with looking through all of these various global lenses? Um, it's the most, um, it's the most uplifting, most, uh, exhilarating experience. I mean, I think without the looking at uh, the world and, and the environments from other lenses, you can't, you can't be so, um, pragmatic 
in those areas as well. I mean, talking about uh, disruption and global disruption and being uh, disruptive and challenging conventions, it's like you say, it's all well and good in, within one society, one environment, uh, especially an area that you, you, you're most experienced in. But go, you've, got to be, you've got to approach it in so many different ways, depending on where you are and what you're doing. I mean, I'll give you a very simple example of this. <clears throat> in uh, a few years back, uh, I, was, um, I was asked to, to go to Sudan and um, uh, I, I normally get asked to go to some re really kind of places, uh, places of high poverty, high crime, uh, loads of different kind of environments where, the, where opportunity is at its lowest uh, degree. Now, the issue that we had with Sudan was is they, they, the, the, the government of Sudan and, and the, the kind of culture there frowns upon entrepreneurship as a way. It's, it's a very older, traditional um, kind of culture where the, the, the most affluent and the, the most um, sort of, you know, oldest tend to have the, the responsibility of driving what happens in, in and, and fueling the, the the you know the tribe of the tribes of the villages and stuff like this, um, and we you know when we came across uh, you know I got my brief to what we were doing, and essentially my um, there was a TV show that was being filmed and it was a it was a project called uh, in uh, it's called uh, in uh, in Mashuri but it's called Mashuri and that uh, means my project in in Arabic. And the the whole ent uh, the whole uh, reason to why I was there was to train the final fifty that are running through the program, um, and then get them into the into the sort of final final ten, and then you know work with them on how their their ideas and visions are going to be uh, put into into their local sort of society. Um, but at the same time, the UN contacted me and said, "While you're here, we want you to do some pieces on." um on freedom and um, we want you know equal light rights diversity and um, when i said yes fine i'll do this i um i was followed around by two un security guards wherever i went and i'm like why do i have to have so much security and they said well if the government catches us doing this type of programming they could deport you from the country okay and i said why and they said because they go, they don't want to, they don't want all of this entrepreneurship, and they don't want all this creative thinking and dynamics. They want people to just follow the, the standard rules they have. There's a family business, a family-run company in there. I'm not going to mention their name purely just for professionalism, but let me give you this fact, Tonya. These guys are so powerful that if they feel something's going to threaten them, they will go to the government and says, unless if you don't stop this, we will shut our flour bills down and they represent 80% of the bread that's manufactured and provided in Sudan. So power is everything in these kind of environments, which means that when you've got young entrepreneurs or people with young creative ideas, they often feel stifled and lack the confidence because there's two or three things that will happen to them. Number one, they're, they're, they'll get suppressed. Number two, um, they may get their idea out there um, but then quite quickly they'll be outdone by uh, by a competitor or they'll be threatened by a large organization will say you're going to give that to us we're not going to, we're going to take it away from you otherwise x y and z will happen to you now when you're when you see the world from that lens and here we are as quote unquote freedom fighting the world saying you know live your dream do what you want be who you want to be and then you you come into this environment where people say I'm inspired by what you're saying, but I'm also pulled back because I don't know how I'm going to do it. It really puts a perspective into understanding that you can't just go out and 
and, and trigger the world with your words and, and, and examples. You have to be able to put, uh, play a part. You've got to play a role. So my role wasn't there to this then become a, 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 a person that can generate wealth through, through the work that I do disruptively. I needed to start carving out opportunity for people to, to be able to live, breathe, and sustain, sustain themselves within this kind of ecosystem where they're allowed to be disruptive and challenge convention. So, mm. to, you know, so the conclusion on this part of the story was I pushed back out to the, the local government that I, we were working with. I, I requested through the British Council who took me over there uh, on the project. I said, I would like to have on my last day, I want to do a, a big talk and I want, I want really like, I want heads of uh, banks and all these different businesses. I want political, local, uh, local uh, municipality and uh, all the way up to regional and national government level. Plus, I want you to get uh, people from all parts of Sudan, um, you know, of the area together, even if they come from rural villages. They filled a room with 700 people. And I got told just before I was going up on stage that you've got more people in this room than the vice president of the country normally gets for talks. And I gave this presentation. I had 45 minutes, but I, I said, I'm, I don't need the 45 minutes. I'll do this in 20 minutes flat. And I decided to put this whole presentation on the, the economical factors and what the ecosystem looks like in Sudan. And I started to give them statistics like you are 49% on the poverty line. And, you know, in the fact that actually you, you only have this much uh, opportunity, this is how much your taxes burn and this is what's happening to your money. Um, and we did this in a way where I, I, it was for me, I, my, my determination was to create a realization, not a frustration. I didn't want riots or anything. I wanted people to learn and understand what limitations there were, where their parameters were. But inside each uh, objection and inside each parameter, there's an opportunity just hidden. It's the way you see it. And um, after giving this, this talk, um, I got approached by a chief executive of one of the banks he said, do you know what? He goes, in our country, we never tell our people so much information about the country. And I'm like, okay, here we go. I'm in trouble now. This is the disruptor. Um, <laughs> um, and then he goes, however, he goes, I've never seen it presented in such a diplomatic way, which is more inspiring for people to go for change than, than actually a, a political view, which is trying to pick up votes. They go, just, just the manner in what you've done is given people who perhaps never get access to these types of programs ever in their life hope that they will be able to do something. Now that's disruption. So for, 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 for me, it's always been this whole thing of going through these different countries and yes, it's exciting to be uh, involved in so many different parts of the world. Um, you know, right the way through to Honduras, one of my first experiences of Central America was San Pedro Sula. It's the murder capital of the world. 11 people die of gun and knife crime every day. You know, it, it just actually leaving the airport and going to the hotel, we saw two people on the floor that were dead. And I'm like, oh my God, what have I let myself in for? But when you're there, it's not then no longer about you. It's about what are you carving as the opportunity for people? Um, and that's where the responsibility really starts to come out. So seeing, seeing the culture and the dynamics from different lenses is the most exhilarating and uplifting um, experience ever. Um, but I think what's more important at that moment in time is we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to carve that change, um, you know, make that change and do it from the power of our words and the power of our wisdom and the effectiveness of our experiences. 
And I think when you can align those two things together for people, you will see that there is a mass following. So, so I don't, I don't know if that was uh, long for you, but that's, that's the, uh, that's my take on, on cultural change and lenses for uh, the disruption. Well, I think it's so powerful because it puts in perspective a couple different things. One, you know, it kind of gives us some perspective on the fact that a lot of us allow our fears of, you know, popularity or lack of popularity or how we'll be appeared, mm. how, how we'll be perceived on social media to kind of impact yes. what we do. And so, and so it does kind of, that's a gut level check to like, okay, wait a second. Like, like you sharing that story, I think is so crucial because we may think that it's a big deal for us to do a Facebook live and tell everybody that you know that we've we have some sort of solution for some problem that that might not be popular versus you know standing in front of you know some some heads of state that that really truly you know you're threatening their existence by being there and the second piece to me is that you know that responsibility piece like it's one thing to just go around wreaking havoc but if you don't have a solution i remember in grad school i was teaching yes. a um critical thinking class and, and it was all around like, you know, deconstructing social paradigms and stuff like that. And, and it was a really frustrating topic for a lot of students because for most of them, it was the first they'd heard that maybe the world wasn't all rainbows and unicorns. And, mm. um, and I remember going to my professor and saying, you know, what are we doing here? Like, is it really beneficial to open people's eyes to these things and help them become aware if we're not providing them with some sort of a solution? or what they can do, or, or this, and I said, it's, it's really wreaking a lot of um, havoc on things and creating confusion and frustration. And, and he was kind of tongue in cheek and was like, well, you know, I teach, I don't know what you're gonna do with it. And it really irritated me, because I was like, I don't know that that's the most responsible way to go about this, um, but maybe academia is not the most responsible place to do that, maybe that is where, or, or not the appropriate place to do that, maybe that's the place where we start hearing about these things and, and thinking about these things. And it's in, in my opinion, that's why I love entrepreneurship is that we can pivot so quickly. Um, we can innovate so quickly, you know, coming out of the government sector and academia and even corporate to an extent, it's like everything's so slow and yes. sluggish, but entrepreneurship is really the perfect platform for disruption in a, um, in terms of it can get out there faster and quicker and it can move um, with, with lightning fast speed now, of course, we still have to allow for the convergence with some of these bigger systems. So government and economics and, and academia and all these other things have to at some point kind of converge around this innovation, but we can start there. And, and I'm going to add on to that, that, that I very firmly believe, and we teach here at Superpower Experts, that, mm. that you have a responsibility when you start opening up to these powers and abilities of, of whether it's influence or um, you know, channeling insights or, or whatever the case may be, you know, mm -hmm. we push hard here that you have to be willing to use and commit to using those powers for good. And, yes. and that means taking some ownership and some responsibility and saying, okay, this is great. I can share this information, but am I doing yeah. it in a way that really does empower people versus inciting riots or, you know, causing, causing outcry. And, and sometimes outcries are necessary. And somebody's got to step up and say there's something we can do about this exactly that's it's 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 from that rip it's from that initial um disruption that you get your ripple of change um the irony of this is i mean you mentioned entrepreneurship now i mean i've always believed and there's a statement that i made in south africa in 2016 at, at, a, at a conference for higher education 
where, where I was on a panel with 150 sort of deans and rectors in, in the audiences, um, you know, and um, we were discussing that, you know, should entrepreneurship be something that's employer driven or academically driven? And, they, you know, they were doing this voting cost, etc. You're supposed to get 10 minutes or so to say your piece and then, you know, then the voting that happens again. Now, when it obviously came to my point, I was the only guy representing entrepreneurship as the as the factor there. They had industry people and academics. Um, when they got to me, they go, "Sorry, the moderator goes, you've only got three minutes because the other guys took too long." And I'm like, "I don't. I only need one." <laughs> and and uh, that's that's how I started. So there there is there's got to be an edge of uh, confidence, not arrogance, confidence about where you're going to go with it. So I said, "Don't worry, moderator. I only need one." And I stood up and I said, "Right, okay." There's 150 people in this room. I said, put your hands up if you've ever started a business before in your life. Okay. Three people put their hands up. And I said, keep your hands up if you, if you have done that. I go, for the other 147 of you, what gives you the right to try and teach someone how to start a business when you've never done it yourself? <laughs> and believe me, the, there was a sea of a gasp. There was like these oh, hearts and hisses coming to me. And okay. And I said, and that this, at this point, I said to the guys, you can put your hands down. I said, now I've got your attention, okay? Here is my statement. Education is the framework to learning, but entrepreneurship is the framework to life. And I said that what, mm. we, what, what we do is by going through our academic processes and education, we learn how to learn, but we also got to learn how to unlearn at the same time. What entrepreneurship does is it gives us the agility, exactly what you said, to be able to get in and disrupt things so if we decide that we want to change our course of path, you can do so with more entrepreneurial thinking. And, and this is the kind of thing that convention doesn't allow you to do because big structures, the academic, the institutions, the corporations, all of these people are big, big um, structures and they have the slowest of slowest turning circles. They don't have the agility in the, uh, of that. They have robustness. But if, you, if I gave you something that's really hard, like a, like a pen or a pencil, and I asked you to to uh, put your thumb in the middle and bend, you can bend it to a certain extent, but after a little while, the, the pressure will actually create a crack and then that crack will turn into a snap. And, and this is what happens with particular measures. Entrepreneurship is such an agile, um, fluid concept that um, it's not about business, it's not about making money, it's, it's this concept, the fluidity, that you can be so agile in what you wanna do and how you wanna do things that it doesn't uh, um, have, it, have those kind of barriers of robustness. What happens is after entrepreneurship kicks itself off, yes, it veers you in different directions, whether it's into disruption, innovation, policy, or do we say business? And then eventually those entities become bigger. So it's a bit like the, um, the piece that I said at Meltdown in last year, that you know, if you imagine disruption was a rock, you know, that your disruption is a rock and you've got a pond or a lake in front of you. What happens is you're going to launch that disruption. You, you let it go. It flies out and, it you know, at some point it's going to hit somewhere on the surface of that lake or pond. You don't know exactly where. You can never pinpoint exactly where disruption is going to land. This is the same thing with me. I didn't know where I was going when, uh, well, I knew where I was heading, but I didn't know what was going to happen when I asked that question to those re those rectors and the and the deans. You know, for all intents and purposes, eight percent of the room could have put their hands up, and I thought, well, that idea has gone down the drain. But <laughs> but the point but the point but the point of it is is as as your rock hits the surface of the water, 
the rock falls down first. It goes to the, it goes to the bed of the, the pond or the, the lake, which means that whatever it was that you disrupted with, it falls down. But what it does is it creates that chaos in the water. It creates this whole positive and negative, positive, negative. So as the water goes up and down, that represents positive and negativity, which means that in order for you to disrupt something, you need to create a positive energy and you need to create a negative energy. If you don't create the negative, you're not disrupting. Now, what happens is as uh, over time, that, that, that water will start to, you know, the surface of the water will regain its, um, its state of uh, calmness again. It will go back to its state of normality. Okay, so that, that's basically like the environment or the ecosystem around you, the positivity and negative start to slow itself down. Whatever that form or shape of disruptance turn into, it, it, whatever it manifests into, that's irrelevant. The fact of it is, is everything over a state of period will become, it will become even again. But the difference here, Tonya, is, is that now the water, uh, because of that adjustment and chaos on the surface of it, creates ripples and these ripples get bigger and bigger and bigger until they're so big that they hit the uh, the banks of your pond or your or your lake so what am i trying to say here is people lead in with disruption just with positivity they just think i just want to make something better and they keep pushing around that side but you have to be prepared to accept negativity to come into this negativity is normally uh, people's other opposite opposing positions they're perhaps a little bit stubborn about where they want to be they don't understand something they can't see the value so they they oppose it and they reject it that's that's like the hisses and boos that i was getting when i asked that question but let me tell you something at the end of that uh, that uh, panel session that i did they asked the question again 86 percent of the audience voted that entrepreneurship could be something that's driven more by employers or the industry rather than than academics and i've never had so many people come out of there um, and, and meet with me kind of just to tell me how they felt um, that, you know, it's probably one of the best pieces of advice that they've been given or, or direction they'll be shown right the way through to even when I was boarding my flight and people were heading back to the UK, that there were people on from that conference there saying, I heard that your talk was this. So as you can see, your disruption brings so much of a ripple activity as well that it's not about making big noise right from the beginning. It's about creating really sharp, focused um, uh, actions and activities, which you know is going to manifest positivity. Some people are going to say, finally, someone said it. Others are going to say, what the hell are you talking about? That's the positive and negative. But eventually it will balance out and then your ripples will echo its, you know, its way out. And it's exactly where I see Neve going as well. Neve, with, with what she's doing, you know, there, is, there is things in here that people are going to see positively and there are things that are going to see negatively. If they see that, when I see negativity, I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be so much fun. This is going to be so much more disruptive. And eventually it will balance itself out and then the ripples start to grow. Okay. Well, and, and, and that's a great description of, of her experience. We saw it when she did hot clothes for kids at six years mm -hmm. old. And it was, you know, the, the negativity that stemmed from that about, you know, little girls shouldn't be talking about being hot and all these other things. And she, you know, that, that took a toll on her. Like she, she had to deal with um, what it was going to feel like when she came out in that fashion. Um, but ultimately, you know, we saw it for what it was, which was she's going to break down any barrier that gets in her way. And, and ultimately it's for very selfish reasons because she doesn't want those hindrances and she needs to be able to, to do what she is here to do without mm -hmm. restriction. And so, yes. so then the balancing out is becoming this, this, you know, this thing that we all experience, which is like, okay, well, she's just different. 
Like, mm. like, you know, that's how people are able to reconcile it. Like not all kids can do that, but Neva's different. No, I can't do that, but I didn't have you as parents. And if I had just gotten started when she did, da, 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 da you know, so you but hear all of excuses, that. But they're of just course. excuses, of course, you know, of course. It, 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 it's, 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 it's how you're programmed. It's what you decide on. You've got to be accountable for your own choices. You can't look there and say, I could have done that, but I didn't have the time or this or this, or it didn't work out. You can do it now. We, we hear about 82 to 91 year old uh, entrepreneurs winning awards, doing all sorts of things. They're living their life, even if they're at their twilight ages. Mm-hmm. Everything is possible. It's where your belief system goes. The thing with this is the biggest issue I have about this, because people ask me normally, how do you do this? How, how can you get around and do so much? And I'm like, it's, you're asking me the wrong questions. You're asking so much tact. Everyone wants to know tactic. How can I quickly get there? How can I quickly get to this kind of point of destination? But the truth of it is, is you're asking the wrong thing. What is it that I need to do? What is it? Not how do I do it? What is it that I need to be doing? And the first thing is believe in yourself. You've got to believe in yourself because no one else will. No one else has the, the right and the entity to do it until you do it. If you don't believe in yourself, how can anyone else do that? And what we see in Nevis so much, what I've seen in very short space of time, is that she's she, obviously because she's so young, she's quite unconscious to it at this moment in time, but she is the center of her, her own belief system. There isn't, as she grows older and older and she matures more and more, you know, that, that whole belief, believing in what she, she has, what she can do and where she can go is what drives this whole thing forward. Most people, um, what they do is, you know, the majority of people will just look and say, yeah, well, it's because of this and this. It's all about reasoning. Without this, you couldn't do that. Without that, you couldn't do this. But we've, we've heard some of the most inspiring stories of people who are down and out and you just, you know, the, most people would just cut their losses, but they persevere. They went through the pain to, to get to where they are today. There's countless stories about that. So, you know, I, I, I do not accept when people um, just say, oh, because of the parents or because of this, because of that. There is no reason. I didn't have all these. My parents weren't, you know, entrepreneurs. They, you know, they, they're migrants from one country to another. You know, um, I, I found my own way, my own thing. And it's not that I want kudos for it, but it's eventually it's more the more I did it. And I went up against even their grains, their wishes. They were very much the kind of people that would say, you know, you should be in a career. You make much more money. You can pay, you know, have have a better life with your family right the way through to when your own parents are saying to you that you're irresponsible, you're selfish, all these kind of things. But pursuing it to, to the fact that I knew one day our paths would cross where they will see and understand what it is that I do. And that happened in 20, um, 2016 as well, actually, when they came to um, a conference in India and, and they heard me speak for the first time um, and what I addressed the audience, I even made them stand up. And it's at that point when they reached in, they said, right, now we understand what you're doing. So again, the other thing that mm, we need to beautiful. understand with, the other thing we need to understand about this, Tonya, is that destruction isn't something that happens overnight it's a long journey and sometimes it doesn't work out the way you expect it to but you've got to continue with it so the three principles i always talk about about being disruptive is challenge convention create imbalance and keep taking action you have to keep going because you you just don't understand how much of an impact you're having on other people people that are not even in the room that you're in you know the amount of people that connect with me after different talks that haven't even been in the room and said I've been inspired I've watched your video and I've been inspired or I heard your talk here and I've been inspired and I'm like or people saying without your advice on this I couldn't have done that 
And for me, that's not gratification, that's confirmation. That's, it's not me feeling my ego, like, oh my God, I've helped so many people. It's almost the fact that, you know what? I'm doing the right thing and I've got to keep on doing it. And that's the mm. most important thing. Beautiful. Oh, that's so amazing. Thank you so much for that really solid advice. Where can people go to find out more about you? Uh, oh, I'm all over the shop. I'm, I'm on Facebook. If you, want, you, you can find me, uh, it's a really be- beautiful, bold guy over there. There's not many of me called Ket and that there. You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, uh, I'm out there. Uh, you can hit up the website, um, enterpriselab.co.uk. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm more, more about people rather than products. So, you know, if you, if you want to just come reach out for me on, on, on the socials or on LinkedIn and let's, let's talk from there. I like to listen to what people have to say before we kind of look at any, any sort of activity. So yeah, all the socials, uh, LinkedIn is a really good place to find me. Beautiful. Well, thank you. Obviously you and I could talk about this stuff for ages. Um, we'll have to have you back on the show and hash out some other topics. Um, Katan, thank you so much, and, and, and I really, really honor the work that you're doing in the world and your courage and your strength and what you represent to so many. Um, please know that, that, that we exist here to support you in that and, and let us know how we can continue to do that. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to come on board and have that conversation. You're absolutely right. I mean, we could talk till the, the year end about these things, and it would be an absolute pleasure again to come on at any time. So just let me know. And to, to everyone that's listening out there, just, you know, thanks again for taking the time to, to listen to this podcast. Um, the last thing that I want to say to you guys that are out there, you know, whatever it is you're going to do, be selfish for a little while. Think about yourself. Just, just for a minute, just take it back into you. Believe in whatever action that you're going to take. Believe and be comfortable with who you are. And don't worry about how the world's going to look at you. But be worried about more about the impact that you're going to make uh, for other people. So it's, it's a pay it forward system. This isn't about gratification about you. This is confirmation that whatever you're doing is needed in this world. Stay safe, but be disruptive. Beautiful, beautiful. And I'll add on to that, you know, everyone listening, we appreciate your loyalty. So thank you. And until next time, go out, uncover your superpowers and change the world. Take care, everyone. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and discover your superpowers today.